welcome to this year's edition of Debriefing the Law. It's our first one for the year. I am Joel Oster. Chris Marone here. And it is New Year's resolution time. It's time to analyze, hey, am I still on my diet? Have I even made my New Year's resolutions? Have I, have I even started my diet yet? But we got to unpack the law here. So, hey, Chris, Happy New Year's. Happy New Year to you too, sir. So have you already um, uh, jettisoned your exercise plans? Or are you the kind who hasn't even made them yet? So my wife has decided that we go to the gym now three times a week at 4 a.m. I am proud to say that we have gone nine times. So we are on track to keep this going. Wow. Um, You're looking I good. Don't, I don't talk to her. I get up. I go to bed in my gym clothes. Life hack. Go to bed in your gym clothes. I wake up and put my shoes on. I don't talk to her. I get to my first like 30 minutes on the bike or 30 minutes on the elliptical or treadmill or whatever cardio I'm doing. And then I'm awake enough to have a conversation. But by that time, we're in different parts of the gym. So really, I just go. I don't talk to her in the morning and that has saved our marriage. I've heard some people say they just change the name of their bathroom from John to the gym. That way they can spend <laughs> yes. an hour in the gym every morning. But that's right. You know what? Your your approach is good too. You get up at four a.m. Oh yeah, Chris, I'm impressed. I'm not a fan, Joel. I'm really. You know, I have, a, I have a really great theory in life that there in every marriage there is an early bird and a late bird. Yes, and they inevitably, of course, find each other and get married. I am. I like to go to the gym at like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night to prepare myself to go to sleep. My wife likes to hit the gym to prepare herself for the day. But I'm like, if I don't come to the office and have like a Red Bull or something, I'm going to be asleep within like three minutes of getting to my desk. Chris, I have to say you're wrong on this and your wife is right. Oh. You don't go to the gym at nine or 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. That's insane. No, no but you're, you're best time. Best time, man. Yeah. Nobody's there. You're absolutely right, though, because I am the opposite from my wife. I am the early board bird. I am sitting there in bed for an hour and a half almost every morning, not moving, because once I move, the dogs will then move. And once the dogs move, <laughs> then my wife has to get up. Game so, over. Yeah, either we got to sleep in separate bedrooms or else I got to just stay in bed for an hour and a half every single morning. Uh, but very astute observation that they do tend to find each other. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, uh, I am the early bird and you are the late bird. Yeah, we're never going to... Uh, stay together. Well, my, oh. I, I, I texted one of my, my good friends about what should be my exercise goal for this upcoming year. And this is what uh, I, I was told that I need to put my money where my mouth is and find what I want to do, sign up for it, pay for it. And once mm -hmm. I pay for it, it's a done deal because we don't want to waste that money. Right. So I went ahead and signed up for a triathlon. I have no idea why I did that. I think my life insurance is paid up. I think that's why I'm okay. doing that okay. so my wife can get her life insurance. <laughs> that's good. But that's have good. you ever done a triathlon, Chris? I did a sprint triathlon years ago, okay. but I have not done a full try. Well, when you say full, so I'm a, I've done a sprint before. I've not done the what's called the Olympic, which is double the sprint, right? And so mm -hmm. it's basically swimming a mile. It's biking 25 miles, and it's running a 10K at the end. Okay, yeah, uh, I've done so that. Yeah, the sprint that I did was half of that. So we were basically swimming, you know, whatever, 500 meters. I forget what it was. And then biking 10 yeah. miles and running uh, a 5K. Now, there is such a thing called the Ironman, which yes. is insanity. That's like swimming 2.4 no. miles, Hard biking 100, and then mm -hmm. running a marathon. That's mm -hmm. that's for the birds. Uh, but I, I scheduled it in in July, end of July uh, in, in Florida. So, Chris, I'm going to So you want to die. Up. 
Like you, like the amount of humidity that is in Florida in July for you to for you to do a uh, even a half try, like I, look, bruh, am I gonna, bruh? Like I worry about you. Are you okay? Like blink twice if you're okay. Dude. Like I need you, I need you to tell me that you're okay. Hey, you're gonna do this with me. Now, I, I get what you're saying. The humidity is a, is a factor there, right? But let me right. just offer this as another way to look at it. If I were to do the try in your neck of the woods, mm-hmm. you know what would be a part of that course? Death. Hills. Well, yeah, death. We're talking July in Arizona hills, doing right? a try, you're gonna die. Yeah, yeah. Come on. I don't like hills. hills. I I hate hills. And so here, the run and the bike are as flat as they can be because it's right along the beach. And so it's going to be sea level. There's going to be no hills whatsoever. Um, I think I can at least handle that part of it if I can get past the initial swim, which is going to be in the ocean. So who knows if I actually make it out alive from that. I think think you could die. The sharks won't get you. Just don't like cut the person next to you. Don't cut yourself. Like that'll be, I mean, you just remember. Right, you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just have to be the faster than the person next to you. That's right. So that's, that's right. all you got to be, man. Finish middle of the pack, you'll be fine. So I'm gonna go see if I can't find some adult size uh, arm floaties, <laughs> so I'm swimming through. I can at least have some kind of buoy buoy system. I don't know. Then but I hey, the invitation going. is out there, Chris. If you want to come do it, end of July, I got the place already booked. It's actually my place there in uh, uh uh-huh. in, in Florida. So you, you're welcome to stay there if you want to do that. Try and and that way someone can bring me to shore right. I don't know, after I pass out. But but does that mean you're going to miss Aclia at the end of July? Because you're doing no, a try? I, no, I actually looked that up. Aclia is going to be the week before in Ooh. Minnesota. Yep. And Aclia, for those of you who don't know, it's the, I have no idea what it stands for, actually. It is the but it's Association a of Continuing Legal Education Administrators. There you go. All right. I am not an administrator, but I belong to ACLIF for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I guess because I, I enjoy going to the conventions. And so mm-hmm. there's going to be one here at the end of, of um, January in New Orleans and then one in July in, in Minneapolis, which is a mm-hmm. beautiful place. Great yep. lakes up there in Minneapolis. I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, I'll be doing this try out there in, uh, in Florida. So it's out there. I've spoken it into existence, Chris. Here's the deal. I am so cheap. It has to happen. It does. It really does. Yeah. I mean, you're well, that guy. I, I can't get my money back. So right. it's either I train or I'm I'm out a hundred bucks. Well, I'm not going to lose a hundred bucks. I'm just telling you, that's just not my style yep. at all. And so yep. I'm going to make sure I get in the proper training. And so there you go. It's spoken into existence. Therefore, it has to happen. I right. love that. I'm here for you on that one. So let's, let's get moving on now. So I, this is our first podcast of the year, and I yep. know we were thinking of some different ways to do this podcast this year. It's a lot of fun for us. Like we have our own little church service, if you will. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's totally go church. over some of the funnier moments at the Supreme Court. Now, I, I like doing this. This actually is my job, right? I collect mm-hmm. all these funny stories at the in legal scenarios, including the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Supreme Court. And Chris, let me just start off here by, by pointing out this observation, and I want to get your feedback on this. Do you think there's some in the legal profession that look down their nose at those that like to laugh in, in court? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Every partner at Jones Day. Every okay. partner at Jones Day. They don't want you to have fun. This isn't a good time for them. Do they look happy? They have 2,800 billable hours. They're not yeah. happy people. Yeah. It's like, no, no, the law is supposed to be serious. You, right. you don't have fun. You don't crack jokes when you're dealing right. with something as important as someone's legal matter. I, I right. have, um, 
uh, one of the funnier moments I had was when I first started, you know, in the practice of law, I graduated from KU Law School, and I went to work for this law firm in Kansas City. And this was right when we were shifting from wearing suits every single day to okay. casual Fridays. Because I don't know if you even know what casual Friday is, because nowadays it's casual Every Monday day. through Monday, whatever. But yeah. this was, you wore a suit Monday through Thursday. And on Friday, it was casual Friday. You couldn't wear jeans. No, not, not that. But, oh, you no. know, you would wear like a, a Dockers or something like that. And, and okay. at least no tie. That was casual Fridays. Oh, wow. Well, we had one partner who was a son of a Supreme Court justice, and he was going to have none of that. And so on Friday, every Friday, when everyone else was wearing their casual garb, he rented a tuxedo and wore a tuxedo to work every single Friday as his way to protest casual Friday. I mean, if you really want to be a jerk, feel, feel free, right? If you want to be a jerk, if you want to be a, you know, like a really Debbie downer, do right. that, do that. Right. Look, man, come on. I hope that guy <laughs> got taken out back and beaten with a switch. <laughs> Actually, he was kind of a funny guy, but okay. he was doing it as his way to protest. I, yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to wear a tuxedo. You're all going to dress down. I'm wearing a tuxedo. But a, you, know you know what? what? It, out of, yeah, but it could, like, if you did that, like, if we were running a law office and, like, on Fridays you showed up in a tuxedo, I would die laughing. <laughs> like, this is my casual wear, is a tuxedo. Right. And that's why no. you're peasants and I'm a partner. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, none of, that being said, a lot of people look down on people that like to have yeah. fun. I know that some people, um, that's an issue when they think about hiring me to go do their conventions. Like, oh, no, right. we can't actually you know, bring comedy into our CLE world. That, that's like a, an affront to everything that's proper about the law. Well, right. hold on one second, because I want to play for you some audio clips from the United States Supreme Court that is going to side on our side here they are going to show how you can have fun and practice law at the same time all right so we're going to go way back to 1968 chris and this is the case of epperson v arkansas you remember that case no okay but i wasn't alive in 1968 nor nor does anybody in this picture look like they're alive in this picture <laughs> That's right. Well, Epperson v. Arkansas is a case involving the teaching of, of creationism in the public school system. And Arkansas had this law that yep. basically prohibited the teaching uh, of certain, you know, um, uh, evolutionary there ideas. And uh, it said, no, you have to teach them. Um, uh, I might have said that backwards. Basically, Epperson was about prohibiting the teaching of evolution in the public school system. There you mm -hmm. go. Right. Scopes yeah. monkey trial. Right. This is kind of like in that same kind of line. This in is that the vein, one that went yeah. to the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. And so here the issue is the teaching of morality and moral values in the public school system. Right. At what point do you say, no, we're not going to allow you to teach morals because that is that is consistent with someone's religious beliefs? Because, right. Chris, that's actually kind of hard to draw that line. It is very yes, difficult. Yeah you, yeah, you can't teach, let's just say, you know, Genesis 5, right. you know, yeah. as a class in right. in school. But if you, can you teach thou shall not murder? Because right. I'm, last I know, you, that's a very valid thing to teach in schools. You can't right. murder, you can't steal. So there's a lot of things that, you know, coincide with people's religious beliefs. So how do you draw that line to say, no, you can't legislate your religious beliefs here, but you can there. And so that issue went before the United States Supreme Court in 1968. Mm -hmm. And let's hear them address this topic and have a little fun at the same time. 
Oh, of course, I, there's going to have to be a line drawn here somewhere. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, I wouldn't want the children of Arkansas to do that's our problem too. I'm, uh, I might say that I'm glad it's your problem and not mine. <laughs> Apparently, the Supreme Court of Arkansas felt the same way. <laughs> There Man, that's like a, of, a that's like a laugh track, right? They were yeah. having a lot of fun there. They. The, what but, I also think is fun is that if I heard the voices correctly, it was two opposing justices that were going back and forth, having yes. having a good go of it. Like they were both in the notion that, like, this, look, we know we're joking at this point. We've elevated past the serious argument. Like, let's talk about drawing lines, right? Right? And I, I think it underscored this idea that Arkansas was saying, we don't know how to draw that line. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to punt it to the United States Supreme Court. Now, yep. you guys have to deal with this thicket, thicket issue because we don't know how to deal with this. We're just going to pass it along. And they kind of right. realized that, and it got a lot of laughter at the Supreme Court. They did. All right. Probably well, the most I've ever heard at the Supreme Court, like if I'm being honest. <laughs> that, well, hold on a second. We got some better okay. points here. This next one is from Scalia, and he is mm. he's classic for his his comedy there at the Supreme Court. And this is from uh, Maryland v. King, and the issue was the DNA swab. So if someone was arrested for a crime during the booking procedure, they're going to grab some of their DNA. And the issue is, is that DNA grab? Is that a violation of the Fourth Amendment? Because before the government goes searching and seizing stuff on your person your property the government has to get a warrant well here they're just grabbing people's dna during the booking procedure without a warrant so is that a valid uh, you know search and seize by the, the the government well that matter goes up before the u.s supreme court now chris i'm going to play for you right at the beginning of the argument so i'm telling you the argument just started you okay put your stopwatch on this and this is what happened Burglary. There have been 225 matches, 75 prosecutions, and 42 convictions, including that of Respondent King. Well, that's really good. I'll bet you if you conducted a lot of unreasonable searches and seizures, you'd get more convictions, too. That proves absolutely nothing. Wow. 14 seconds. They 14 just started seconds. their argument. 14 seconds? Oh, yeah, 14 seconds? 14 seconds is why I've clocked on my rocks right now. Wow. 14 seconds into this person's argument. Scalia said, do you know what I think about your argument? That proves absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> had to have been me. It had been followed up with a, um, uh, we need a mop and a bucket here in aisle four. We've had an accident here in aisle four. Please, so the janitor, we need your services. Oh, yeah. yeah. What would you do if you were the lawyer? And Scalia said, 14 seconds in, you know what? <laughs> you are worthless. Yeah. Do you go back at Scalia? Like you could, you could try to like, because you got an audible laugh. So that would actually put me off kilter, right? Like, I got an audible laugh. Is Scalia joking or is he serious? Like, what? Oh, like, he's serious. That would, that would, right? Of course, he was serious, but that would like throw me off kilter a little bit because of the audible laugh going. Right. Are we're mmm? But this is no, what Scalia was heart this attack. This is why Scalia said this. You know, Scalia is an originalist. And so he said, look, the original purpose of the Fourth Amendment 
the founders weren't concerned about scoring convictions because heck, if that's what they're concerned about scoring convictions, then you would allow all kinds of searches and seizures, right? right. And you wouldn't even care about the fourth amendment. So he goes, your argument means absolutely nothing. I don't care about how many convictions you score. This is about protecting people's privacy rights and mm -hmm. limiting government. And so uh, that's why Scalia said it meant absolutely nothing. However, I will tell you, Chris, that Scalia was in dissent in a five to four decision. So clearly this argument meant something to someone. Yep. Now, Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I just told you that Scalia was in dissent in a five to four decision. And this is about, mm -hmm. let's just say 2014. Yeah. Who were the other three justices in dissent with Scalia? All right. If it was 2014, so we still had... Was he with the other liberal justices in the dissent? Was he with Ginsburg, Bader, or no, Ginsburg, maybe Kennedy, maybe Breyer? You hit the nail on the head. That surprises yeah. a lot of people. You People think, right. oh, it must have been Thomas, because Scalia and Thomas, they're always no. together. Throw in Alito probably as well, and maybe the no. chief. Uh, no, try RBG, Sotomayor, and Kagan. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was with the other three liberal justices. Right. Breyer was the swing vote, and Breyer went over to the majority That's side, right. joined the other conservative justices. What meant most to Breyer? Well, Breyer was a common sense justice. He liked to see, he thinks the Constitution is a living, breathing document. So he really cares about the practical applications of constitutional doctrine. And so to Breyer, the fact that this law worked out really well, it scored a lot of convictions. It also helped the wrongfully mm -hmm. accused, it exonerated them. It helped the victims know who actually, you know, perpetrated the crime. So this common sense argument really appealed to Breyer. So clearly it meant something to someone, but nonetheless, that was Scalia. Man, that was, if Scalia had a greatest hits CD, this would be on it. 14 seconds in, and he was on the warpath. For sure. All well, right. and I mean, Scalia, did, he, had, he had no chill. If he wanted to attack a case, he attacked a case. He wasn't going to wait for you to get into your arguments or get you to, to spout one word that he thought was absolute crap. He oh, was no, ready he was... to, like, he knew, well, I mean, he was a prepared justice, right? Whether I agreed with him or not, he was a very incredibly smart man and a very prepared justice. So if he knew what your argument was going to be from reading your briefs, he wasn't going to let you get into it if it was absolute crap. I loved it. Yeah, you know what I think about your argument? That proves absolutely nothing. nothing. But, you know, nothing. as a litigator, you do have to realize that, okay, I, I lost Scalia's vote. So that, that's one, but you know what? I never had his vote in the first place. So you almost right. got like, just take it from him mm -hmm. and then just keep on plowing ahead. Cause you right. are focused on Briar. You're trying to get Briar to your side. And that meant that if you lose Scalia, well, you never had Scalia in the first place. And so, right. uh, there you go. It does surprise people to realize that Scalia actually was on the liberal side when it came to the fourth amendment. He very mm -hmm. much was opposed to governments searching and seizing without a warrant. And so I guess that is a kind of surprises people. All right, let's they, move on to our next case. Well, they case. see Scalia through the eyes of being a conservative justice. And what they think is conservative is like pro police, pro like police can do no wrong. And Scalia has always been that originalist in the constitution. So it's going to surprise people that he doesn't do lockstep with the conservative party. Which, by the way, is the point of having a lifetime judicial appointment is so you're not in lockstep with the party that put you up there. There you go. Well said. Hot take. Bostock v. Clayton County. This case Ooh. dealt with the issue of whether or not um, uh, Title VII, which prohibits discrimination based upon a sexual orientation, mm -hmm. does it or that prohibits discrimination based upon sex, does that mm -hmm. include 
discrimination based upon a sexual orientation. That was the issue in Bostock. Now, Chris, let's just kind of point out some of the obvious here. We live in the, what, the 21st century? I kind of get my numbers Probably. all mixed up here a little Something bit. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, 20, 21st century. Mm -hmm. And and when you're talking about a a, um, uh, a for-profit business, we're not talking about a church or a nonprofit, mm -hmm. should they be allowed to fire someone based upon their sexual orientation? In this day and age, I think pretty much everyone would be shocked if right. anyone fired someone based upon their sexual orientation. It's like, dude, right. we're in the 21st century here. So, Chris, right. why isn't that in the law? Because when the law was written, that wasn't an issue, right? When Title VII was like originally put out in 1964, identifying as homosexual or being transgender or whatever your sexual orientation was wasn't the hot button issue at the time right it was race it was it was gender it was being right. a female right it wasn't in 1964 that wasn't the talking point we didn't so why why hasn't the law been changed over the last 50 plus years so let's just hold that thought process that thought in mind mm -hmm. because i i want you to now listen to this first clip where the chief is going to point out something that justice po judge posner said below about maybe the court's role in updating outdated legislation. So let's just hold mm -hmm. that thought in mind. Now let's listen to this first clip. Uh, I disagree with Judge Posner. I don't think you need to do any updating here. I think you should read the words as they were understood then, which is men and women. Title VII was intended to make sure that men were not disadvantaged relative to women and women were not disadvantaged relative to men. And when you tell two employees who come in, both of whom tell you they married their partner Bill last weekend, when you fire the male employee who married Bill and you give the female employee who married Bill a couple of days off so she, she can celebrate the joyous event, that's discrimination because of sex. Well, if no one has any further questions, I'll reserve the remainder of my time for rebuttal. Well, I think we'll have further questions. Uh... All right, first, let me unpack why that was so funny. They were only about three minutes into their argument right then. So right. she has 20 minutes of argument, probably reserved a couple minutes for rebuttal. And Cats got the court's tongue. There, there were no questions that were asked. Now, you're taught as a litigator that when the court is silent, walk away. Sit down. Walk, walk away. Right? If they have no questions. You leave the room. You're done. And so there, three minutes in, they had no questions. And so she said, Oh, okay. Well, I've been trained. I guess since you have no further questions, I'll go ahead and sit down. Mm -hmm. And of course, they said, Oh, no, hold on. You just kind of caught us off guard there with that response. By the way, that was a great response from her. Mm -hmm. uh, but so they're just kind of gathering their thoughts. So they did not let her sit down. But boy, she tried to reserve the remaining 17, 17. minutes for a rebuttal. <laughs> I don't know. Gosh, but. that would be an epic rebuttal if I got 17 minutes at the end of my argument to just <laughs> trash on the other side. Gosh, that'd be beautiful. She tried it. She, she tried did. it, but the judge would not let her get uh, The justice right. would not let her uh, do that. Well, again, at the beginning there, she said, look, you know, this whole idea of sh should the courts play a role in updating outdated legislation? Mm -hmm. I think that's what the court did here. I, I think the court did see itself in that role. And they said, you know what? Politics is sometimes dirty, and and mm -hmm. should for-profit businesses be firing people based upon their sexual orientation in the 21st century? According to this court, maybe not. And so they did kind of change the law a little bit to say, 
Yeah, discrimination based upon sexual orientation is discrimination based upon sex and therefore prohibited by Title VII, mm-hmm. despite what everyone would agree was not the original intent of the law. In fact, that wasn't mm-hmm. even an issue back in 1964 that the Congress was dealing with. But I also think you could take, like that litigator said, like the original intent was not to disadvantage one sex over the other. And I think I, – I, I love her argument, right? Like if, if oh, both great. people – yeah, both people get married to Bill – and one gets fired and one gets a vacation. That's clearly what the law interpreted as discrimination based on sex. And I think a lot of the time the court's job is to interpret what laws mean, right? I think that's the general rule, right? We interpret what laws mean. Well, the original intent in the Constitution we try to uphold, but you have to apply it to the changing standards that society – not standards, the changing face of society, Right. I'm sure that there were gay people that were that were completely afraid to even mention the fact that they were gay back in 1964 for fear of retribution or violence or being ostracized or something to that effect. So, yes, maybe that wasn't the original intent of the 104th Congress that that you make that up. I did. I 100% okay. made that it was the 104th Congress. <laughs> I, <was> <laughs> I, I actually, if it was 30, wait, so it was 1964. Let's do the math. That was like 50 years ago. So let's take 25 Congresses off. So wow. it was like the 90, what is that? The 88th Congress? The I was going to be impressed. I was going to be impressed. Right. So that Congress maybe didn't, because the issue of being homosexual or choosing that type of lifestyle or being transgendered wasn't at the forefront because black people were getting murdered for going to work. And women were being denied equal protection under the law, which, by the way, is the 14th Amendment. At any point, anybody could have said that. Um, I I do think most legal scholars would agree that there is no way that that 104th or 82nd or whatever whatever Congress Congress. intended to include sexual orientation. And there's been many attempts since then to change the law. All have been rejected. Nonetheless, this does show you how the Supreme Court works. Sometimes I think the Supreme Court does see themselves in that role of updating outdated legislation. And they were Mm -hmm. they were able to do that here by appealing to who who? Gorsuch. Gorsuch was a textualist. Sometimes mm-hmm. people think textualists are the same as originalists. Uh, not necessarily. You can see mm-hmm. this is an example where a textualist approach to uh, interpreting legislation would li- lend you to one outcome, an originalist approach, a totally Completely opposite ever. outcome. Yep. And so uh, that was a great move there for the lawyer to appeal to Gorsuch and his textualist views, knowing that Gorsuch was going to be the swing vote here in this uh, in this case. All right. For sure. Now, that was just a, a precursor here. The next two clips are the funny moments. So, there was a lot of laughter in that first clip, but this, these next two clips, I'm telling you, it, it's just great. So this first clip, the lawyer is going to lay out a bet. Now, Chris, you and I have been doing our, our gambling picks here, our betting picks on football. This is a bet that's done in live action at the United States Supreme Court. Let's listen to her bet there during oral argument. When I got up, the Chief Justice said to me, Ms. Carlin, I am willing to bet any amount of money I have that when Mr. Harris gets up, he's going to say, Mr. Harris, he has treated us differently because of sex. All right, there you go. She was willing to bet any amount of money she had. That's a lot of money, right? She is that a, could, yeah, a, could be a lot of money, yeah. The lawyer there lawyer, probably making boogle bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And so she said, when the, when my next guy gets up here, when my opponent gets up here, the Chief Justice will say, Mr. Harris, Right. Right. She laid that on the line. What? Do you yeah. think the, the chief is going to take her up on that bet? Tell me he called him Chuck. Like, <laughs> let's listen welcome, to what Chuck. <laughs> let's listen to what happened. 
If you fire, if you fire the man who looked, thank you. Thank you, counsel. Counsel? Ah. Uh. <laughs> Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. <laughs> I'm telling you what, that brought the house down there. When, yeah. uh, so the chief's like, he you know he wrote down his notes. Do not say mister. Do not say mm-hmm. mister. Do not say mister. And so he gets up there and says, counsel? So again, Chris, that just shows you the, the court, the justice, they like to have some fun. They do. They, and there's every reason to have it. Yes, you can be incredibly serious about matters. Right, you could be deathly serious about things that are life changing, but man, you you can have levity as well. It's okay to laugh. It is okay to laugh. It is. It, it was a great case there, uh, and so um, it was a great moment there when you know he was writing down, and then he said, "Counsel," and then the opposing counsel was so quick witted he almost said, "Mr. Chief Justice," yeah. held back just a bit and said. Mr. Chief Justice and the courtroom yeah. then erupted in laughter when he heard uh, what he said. All right. Yep. Now, what was, what was the point there from the lawyer? Why was the lawyer trying to make that argument? Here's the argument that existed. The, the thought was every time you treat a man differently than a woman is not the same thing as discrimination because mm-hmm. they're a man as compared to a woman. And so that's the argument they're trying to make. And so like, just say, Hey, when I say Mr. Or Mrs. I'm not discriminating against you. I am just treating you differently. So that was the basis for that argument. All right, one more case here I want to throw by here, and then let's get into some football uh, discussion. Iancu v. Brunetti. Now, Chris, I've been involved in a couple cases that went up to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, and and I can pretty much tell you that every issue that might be an issue at the Supreme Court has -hmm. been fully vetted. I mean, you think through everything. You will have done probably no less than five, maybe ten moots for that argument as you prepare. So every issue that might come up has been fully thought through. All right, so what was the issue here in this case? Well, there was a t-shirt designer who came up with this design for his t-shirts, F-U-C-T. Now, Chris, I'm not really the best at pronouncing things. I butcher words all the time. Let me see, Fuset, Fucked? How would you pronounce that word, Chris? Fucked. All right, well, with a T, with, with a, a T. T, like duct tape. <laughs> duct tape, all right. Right? And so, the, apparently, this is a very popular word, uh, and and so uh, <laughs> people were trying to copy this word, and, and so this guy sought a, a registered trademark to keep people from stealing uh, this word. Yep. Well, the trademark office denied him that trademark, said, mm. no, that word that rhymes with duct tape uh, mm-hmm. is offensive. It's immoral. And so they denied him that, that trademark. He appeals to the United States Supreme court over the issue of can the trademark office deny someone a trademark because they find the word to be bad. Well, well, well Chris, there's a lot of words that I find to be re- offensive that I would like to see banned conservative Republican, right? <laughs> Taxes. All of those okay. words should be banned. I'll give you on that last one. I will, I I will 100% agree with you on the last one. I am there with you. Uh, but um, all right. So, Chris, this is what fascinates me about this issue. Because this maybe this, hi, this uh, highlights how perverted my personality is. I don't yes, know. I but it. I was most curious. Okay. How were these lawyers going to refer to this word 
in open court. You know they yep. thought that through. 100%. Right? You know they didn't move for this. Hey, okay, what should we say? How should we refer to this word in open court? So, Chris, let me just put it before you. How would you refer to this word in open court? I would spell it. You spell it. Okay. I would spell it. I'd be like F U C T, my client's brand, F U C T. I would do it like I wouldn't even try to pronounce it and try to get it caught. I would just constantly say it's it's asinine that the trademark office would would deny F U C T as a logo. Okay. I would I, that would I, be I, my I like that idea. I like I like that approach. Now, some yeah. lawyers have said you you can't do that, Chris, because if you do that and you're the plaintiff here, are you not giving in to the other side's theory of their case that it's somehow it's a bad word, inappropriate to say in a public right. setting? But I get what you're saying. Still, you're you're in the halls of justice, the United right. States Supreme Court. Are you going to drop the right. f bomb there during oral argument? Only during Cohen v. California. That's the only time I'm going to drop it during that discussion. Well, that being said, let's wonder no more. I'm going to play for Ooh. you the, the tape on how this lawyer referred to this word in open court. Let's listen. So it's not simply enough to determine that this particular trademark is scandalous, right? That's, that's correct. Well, I didn't understand you in your brief to make much of an argument about that. Well, in part, in part because once you, if you accept the PTO's initial determination that this mark would be perceived as the equivalent of the past participle form of the, the paradigmatic profane word in, in our culture. Once you what past participle, the most profane word of paramet. No, Chris, that's not going to catch you, on in you, any sir. playground in this country. Good for you, sir. I, I uh, just, just round of applause coming up with the most LinkedIn phrase I have ever heard in my entire life. I mean, profane past participle, you and your mother? No, no that's not going to catch on any nope. basketball court. But Chris, lest you think that that was just an accident. No. Nope. He just happened. No, nope, he hit that one twice. How is that, how is that determined? That a substantial composite of the general public would find the, the mark shocking or offensive. I mean, if considering what's involved in this case, if you were to take a, a composite of, say, 20-year-olds, do you think that that answer would be they would find it shocking? I, I think not. I think there are certainly some segments of society that are more likely to find particular marks uh, shocking than others. I, the, the PTO, it, its initial determination was that this mark would be perceived by a substantial segment of the pub, public as the equivalent of the profane past participle form of uh, a well-known word of profanity and perhaps the paradigmatic uh, word of profanity in our language. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. I'm not going to go with that one, but that's how they did it at the United States Supreme Court. Are right, any thoughts on that case? I, gosh, I love, I love language, right? I love, I love arguments. I love hearing that because even as asinine as that sounded, it just, it, it, it had something romantic to it about being able to to go in there and drop the F-bomb, but in a way that's like, you know, it's when you ask for why a lawyer is 500 bucks an hour versus a, like five bucks an hour. Well, it right, is the right. past particle fusion generator performative of society. And you're like, oh, okay. You make the word, you make the F-word sound like acceptable at high T. That's right. All right. One more case I want to throw by you here, Kansas v. Glover. Uh, really quickly, this is this is different than our other ones because in this case, you're going to have a justice try his hand 
at open mic night comedy because the other you know laughing points we we already heard about it was you know some kind of you know tension tense moment in the core where the the tension was alleviated for a minute there but in this case you're going to have a justice try his hand at impersonations and so this is kansas v glover and uh, well let me play for you the clip here uh, unlicensed under unlicensed yeah, yeah right all right then, then um why, why is it why, why shouldn't we read the um the declaration here as effectively saying that um that i assume i'm an officer this is what i do Right. I assume this is the driver. This is okay? Kansas, not This here. is the owner, okay? <laughs> Touche. All right, there you go. Case yeah. is Kansas v. Glover in Kansas, and he was a person, a Kansas police officer with a New York accent. Chris, that's nice. just... It works. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely works. There you go. All right. Uh, well, um, we've run out of time here, so let's just go ahead and jump to our courtroom quarterback segment. Let's do this. Eight and oh, gosh, how beautiful is that? Look at eight and zero last week. And so, the only I actually should have been nine and zero. I also picked Cincinnati to be Buffalo, but then, of course, you all know what happened there. The game first game ever got canceled by the the NFL. And so, you also weren't too bad at at four and one. So, you brought your record almost to 500, not too shabby yourself. If the Buffalo game would have went, I would have been at 500. Exactly. You, right. you picked a, yeah. You picked Cincinnati as well there. Uh, right. And so that being said, let's go over some of our picks for this week because this is our first wild card week, our first round of playoffs. And um, before we get there, let's talk a little bit about the Chiefs uh, are sitting out this week. They got the bye week because the the NFL decided that they were not going to replay the Bills versus the Cincinnati game. And so because of they had to give a little bit to all sides and what they gave to the Chiefs was you get the bye the first round, but if there's going to be a conference championship game between the Bills and the Chiefs, that's going to be played at a neutral site. And so any thoughts on, um, is it fair that the Chiefs are sitting out this week? Look, I love you, Joel. So all of this is going to be said in good, good, good friendship here. And the answer is no. The Chiefs lost to both the Bills and the Bengals. They did. And so I don't think that the Chiefs should be sitting out the first round. The Chiefs should have a harder climb to the Super Bowl. Also this week, they changed the overtime rules in football to allow for both teams to have a possession rather than the first, like if the first team scores a touchdown, they win. Which is what screwed the what screwed the Chiefs in their game against the Bills last year. So not only do they get to sit out, they get the overtime rule change that would benefit them. Now, Hold on, I'm, I can't I, I I can't let you talk that trash on my yes, Chiefs. I can't. I'm going to set the record straight here. Also, I'd like to wish Andy Reid a happy ten years with the Chiefs. He's the best coach they've ever had. Um, All right, you that one in there. <laughs> I'm going to end, yeah. that, end it with that. But I do think I I honestly think that. Um, the Chiefs did have a better, and this is how football goes, right? Whether I think it's fair or not, the Chiefs had a better record. It was a freak accident that happened to Hamlin on the on the field. It was. It's not like the Chiefs somehow strategically instigated cardiac arrest on the field. They right. are just. They get the. They are the lucky byproduct of such a huge tragedy that happened at that game. And for those of you saying that the Chiefs caught a break here, let me just remind those people of this, that um, the Chiefs played a full schedule. 
and mm-hmm. both the Bills and the Cincinnati, they got to play one game less. And what game did they knock off? Was it the lowly worst team in the NFL? Nope. They got to knock off the toughest game on oh, their good. schedule. How mm-hmm. nice and convenient for both of those teams to get their toughest game wiped off. And so the Chiefs didn't get that benefit. They had to play their tough matchups. Granted, they lost both of them. That's a whole nother issue. <laughs> but I'm saying those teams would have had another loss. And add to that, both of those teams got a quasi extra buy because they didn't have to play three quarters of that game. So they kind of got their own buy where they didn't have to subject their bodies to extra hits and extra, you know, uh, possible injuries. They got a buy at the end of the season. And so I think that I think it's quite fair that the Chiefs end up getting that, that bye week. But you know what? I'm also a Chiefs fan, so I'm a little bit biased in that. And you All used right. my favorite word, Joel. Fair What's is that? where you get cotton candy. Life is not fair. The NFL right. is not fair. We are not here to have a fair system. We are here to have a just and a system that represents the best teams playing. And you know what? I'm down for this, right? The Bills can steamroll through the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl just as easy as the Bengals can, just as easy as the Chiefs can. So bring on the better players. I don't think Patrick Mahomes sitting for a week is going to make him any greater of a quarterback than watching Josh Allen and Joe Burrow just tear it up. Let me just say, as we enter into the postseason, uh, that I I am scared to death of the of Cincinnati. I, my mm-hmm. biggest concern over this postseason was well, two uh, two concerns. One, I wanted the Chiefs to get the bye week. I think that's of course huge. You did. Nope, for that your makes players sense. to get their bodies rested and not right. have the hits and the toils and the injuries that come along with the uh, playing that extra week. So I, I mm-hmm. love the fact that the Chiefs got the bye. But more importantly, I wanted the Bills and Cincinnati to knock one of the other out. And yes. I thought, I, I just want to play both of them. I'm going to play one of them. I don't want to play both. And so if they could, if we could be on the opposite side of the draw, that was a, probably my 1A concern. I wanted those two to be on the other side of the draw. So we just had to play one of them. Yeah. And I sure hope it's the Bills. I, I'm nothing against, you know, the Bills, but um, I fear, fear Cincinnati, Cincinnati way more. Yeah. Well, and it's tough because, I mean, they're great. The, all three of them are great teams, right? We And we had that coming into the start of the season. So I'm going to be watching the AFC much more than I'm going to watch the NFC for this playoff series because Tom Brady's just going to make it back to the NFC Championship game. It just it is what it is. Well, let's, let's look over. Let's talk about some of these games here this upcoming weekend. All right. uh, we got Seahawks over San Francisco. I think we, I picked Seattle. You picked San Francisco on this one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, to me, when I see that line of nine and a half points, mm-hmm. that scares me. Now, what I've learned, and I, I've watched football pretty much probably every single playoff game for the last uh-huh. 40 years. I mean, I am a huge football fan. And once you're in the postseason, the, the stud quarterbacks outside of Aaron Rodgers, they just win the day. They do. When you're in the postseason, you have all these different variables and tangibles that might happen. So you need a stud, a quarterback who's on the field who can make adjustments in real time. So you got to have a great quarterback. Here, neither one really has that great quarterback, right? You, you got San Fran who's playing a rookie, has no idea what to expect. You got Seattle. Yeah, they're playing a veteran, but this is kind of his first year as a starter. So I don't know how that plays into this. I am going to just say the Seahawks are going to cover because I worry about the rookie quarterback Purdy for San Francisco playing in his first playoff game. Yes, I think San Fran will win, Mm -hmm. but I don't think they're going to cover the nine and a half. As long as you think they're going to win, like we can still be friends. 
Like I feel like that's a that's a fair assessment. I just you know I'm gonna go with San Francisco over the Seahawks for the nine five. I think Christian McCaffrey's hungry. We got Debo back. Like it's a lot of offensive weapons that are coming out of the backfield here for San Francisco. Kettle is also deadly in short range and long range. So I feel like Seattle just doesn't have the weapons to get there. And though I think Seattle's gonna be super hungry because how they snuck into the playoffs was like the best puzzle ever. Yes. And big up to Detroit Lions being the heroes um, in this in this arena. But I really think that San Francisco is going to cover it so Brock Purdy can say that he deserves to be here rather than it's just the, Mike, the, the Kyle Shanahan system. And I do think that Kyle Shanahan, outside of his one mental blunder against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, which I'm happened. so thankful for that. Right. So thankful for that. But mm-hmm. uh, he's been a great coach, and he knows how to utilize the run, and so he's going to take a lot of pressure off of Purdy. So I definitely mm-hmm. think San Fran's going to win, but it's going to be ball control. And so yep. it, it might be that, that, you know what? This game is screaming a 10-point win by San Francisco. So it's right. I think that that's nine-and-a-half point spread is right on the money. Right. Uh, it, it could go either way. For Chargers sure. over Jacksonville. This is another interesting one. Right? I'm not sure how my theory plays out here. So you got Jacksonville with a great quarterback there, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, and this is going to be his first playoff game, and so a lot of pressure. How will he fare? He did play in two or if not three, you know, college football playoff sessions, and he won a mm-hmm. national title against Alabama. So he's definitely this is not he's his first time playing a huge game, right? But it's his first time being. In this stakes of a huge, especially look, I'm all about Jacksonville's comeback story, right? With Urban Meyer leaving and them turning around and, and winning an AFC division, like I am, I'm about it. I'm loving this. Uh, I just don't think that they're gonna produce over the Chargers, right? So you, I mean, and it's taking, a field goal. It's a field goal, right? Like the Chargers are gonna win by a field goal. You're taking the Chargers over Jacksonville, and I'm taking <laughs> the Chargers over Jacksonville as well. So yeah. we are both in agreement on that one. The two and a half mm-hmm. point spread—that's about right. Whatever two, yeah. two and a half points, you gotta go with a favorite, right? Right. I, I, I can't see that's that's well, too low. It's a field until goal. you get down to the Cowboys and Bucks, and we're gonna differ there. Okay. All right. Bills Dolphins. This that's is easy. also a fascinating one. Uh, here's why I think it's fascinating. The Dolphins have no offense whatsoever. I mean, None. zip zero. I love their quarterback, Skylar Thompson. He's from K State. Loved right. him at K State, but so far this year. They've only kicked field goals, and mm-hmm. they just their office does not click with him at quarterback. Nope. I don't see how they're going to even stay on the same field nope. with the Bills. Might the Bills overlook this one though? And that thirteen point spread is just so huge. Nope. You know what? I, I think the Bills are going to cover. Dude, the Bills are going for Darren Hamblin hard. Like they are going to go all day long. They are going to straight up. This is like the rest of the season. They they got the bye week versus the the yes. Bengals. They're coming in fresh. He's home from the hospital, rooting them on. Like, yeah, they they played last week and they absolutely just you know two return touchdowns, right? Two kickoff return touchdowns. The Bills are here to send a message, and like I, tragic, very tragic what happened to that young man on the field. But it has lit a fire in the Bills organization to win for him. And I think right. that that they are going to come out and they're going to hit every game hard. All and the, the Dolphins the have nothing. Yeah, they got nothing. It's going to be like Georgia versus TCU. You know what? 
now that we're talking about this, that might be my most confident pick of the of the week. Oh, it's my but most I, confident pick for sure. And I'm a look Niners at, fan. Look at Skylar Thompson's when he started for Miami. I've followed those games. I'm big, a big Skylar fan. Yeah. But they haven't scored. They haven't moved the ball. And yeah. I, so I don't see how he's going to figure it out in the postseason. Right. It's not happening. All right. Ravens over Cincinnati. And so, obviously, oh. you are picking Cincinnati. I am picking I am. the Ravens. I'm cl- clearly not picking the Ravens to win. No. There's no way. Cincinnati is losing this game. That would be my Christmas present. I would be so happy if Cincinnati lost. That's not going to happen here. The Ravens are not starting um, uh, their quarterback. He's going to be injured and out at least another week, which that's another fascinating story, how Lamar Mm -hmm. Jackson is not playing. Now, Ravens, shouldn't you maybe assign him to a long-term contract? I do think it's possible that Lamar Jackson is saying, I'm not going to play here because – I'm not under contract for next year. So why right. would I risk further injury if I'm not 100%? Now, if he were 100%, he would play. No for doubt sure. about that. No doubt. But might he say, I'm at 80%. Why would I risk further injury at 80% when I don't have a contract for next year? Going against That's a Cincy. problem. Baltimore should have signed him to right. a long-term contract. Right, and you're going against Cincy. Like, if the Ravens were going against the Dolphins, I'm sure he would play just fine. Right. But, but we're going against Cincinnati. And so I'm not risking the rest of my career on the uncertainty that the money that I have made is all the money that I'm going to get. My only reason why I'm picking the Ravens is, again, it's nine points. The Ravens are known for its defense, and mm-hmm. that plays into the postseason. I do think that their coach, Harbaugh, is going to come up with a game plan that will keep it close. So, I, again, the nine points is just too much for me. That's right. why I'm picking the Ravens to cover the nine, though clearly I'm, uh, I'm picking Cincy to win. Well, and I'm picking Cincy to cover the nine as well. I think they're going to have the same feeling as the Bills, right? And what would scare Mahomes more than than in Kansas City more than watching Cincy and the Bills trounce their first round, go in and have an all-out war, and then Kansas City is going to have to face the, the winner of that all-out no. world war. You know what, though? I'm telling you, here's what's going to be on Kansas City's faces. Big smiles. smiles. Here's why. Is it going to be worn? It's going to be a war. No, I'm telling you, but the Bills yeah. and Raven and, and Cincy, that is going to be a war on the field. That's going to be That's the week be before. Because oh, whoever be that winner is, they're going to feel a little bit of a letdown because that's like going to be a, such a huge emotional game. I mean, the mm-hmm. first game was canceled, right? Right. And so it's a huge emotional game. Are they going to have any emotions left to face the Chiefs, or will they be spent the week before? Oh, no. One game removed from the Super Bowl? No, no, no. They're going to do right. it. Well, How and about there's this no, one? Hey, and there's no guarantee that the Chiefs are making it to that next round. Yeah, yeah good point. Uh, how about this next one? I, I am torn by this next one. Yeah. I, I, I don't even know why I put the Cowboys down here. I, mm-hmm. I know you picked the Bucks, and I, I think the Bucks are the pick here. I mean, I picked the Cowboys, but I don't like their coach. I don't like their quarterback. And I think, right. I think Tom Brady is amazing. I don't know why I picked the, the, the Bucks here or, or Cowboys. So that's a horrible pick. I like your pick much better. Bucks plus the two and a half over the Cowboys. Any right. thoughts? It's two and a half, right? It's Tom Brady in the playoffs. You literally just went through this whole diatribe up on the Seahawks San Francisco game about how you need professional quarterbacks, how you need to have quarterbacks you can rely on. You don't think Brock Purdy's that guy yet, blah, 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 blah. And then we come down to literally the guy that's delivered in the playoffs his entire career. And you're like, I don't think I'm going to pick him. He doesn't seem like he's experienced enough. Like, Tom Brady, are you changing your pick right now before we go into it? I can see you typing on that keyboard, Joel. But I honestly... You know what? 
I honestly I, I believe think, this is Tom uh, Brady, right? And this is going to silence all the Tom Brady haters. He's going to make it to the NFC Championship game. You hearing it here first. I fully believe that Tom Brady will make it to the NFC Championship game. I can't guarantee past that, but he'll make it there. And all of these haters that are like, oh, Tom Brady's old and he's done. No, he took a losing season, a losing team, and took him to the NFC Championship game. He's still relevant. He can still do it. You know, I am, uh, I am so sorry I lost you here, but there you go. I found you again. <laughs> so we are good now. Um, and so let's go ahead and I know you're, you're talking. So let's go back and let's see our picks again. Uh, let's cover my picks of the bucks plus two and a half over Dallas. Oh. What were you saying, Chris? I'm sorry. My screen didn't refresh here, Joel. I still have, you have Cowboys at negative 2.5 over the bucks, but you know, you're a trustworthy guy. You're a good you know, upstanding <laughs> lawyer. I'm going to say that you did switch the bet and I'm proud of you. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This you're is right repentance. You got to go with the quarterback. Yeah, this is repentance in action, people. This is absolutely beautiful. That's my whole theory. My whole theory is you go with the quarterback in the postseason. I led off with that as my main theme, mm-hmm. and that pick totally went against it. I had to fix right. it in real time. I am taking the Bucks plus the two. Plus, you you you're getting two and a half points. Yeah, the all the Bucks have to do is win the game, right? And they don't even have all to right. win it like prettily, right? They can win it by like a PAT, or they can win it by anything. Right? Wow. I, I got to tell you, the more we're talking, I feel so strongly about the Bills pick mm-hmm. and about the Bucks pick. As we're talking these things through, those are just solid picks right there. This last one, I have no idea on. Minnesota, oh, yeah. minus three over the Giants. Who do you have here? You Same. have I have Minnesota, uh, over Minnesota minus three over the Giants as well. I don't think that's a winning game. Like I think that that's like a tie, right? I think Minnesota may win by a field goal. I don't know. Kirk Cousins in the in the playoffs, not not – you know, not giving me a lot of like good feelings, but Minnesota has shown up consecutively well this season. They've been producing, so that's what I'm going to go with. All right, yeah, I'm trying to get an angle on this one. The Giants are are new, they're fresh, they're right. new coach, they're the quarterback's been there, but he hasn't been on the limelight. So this will be definitely his first playoff game. Minnesota, I guess, has the veteran uh, there, though. Even though he's a veteran, he hasn't had postseason success. He's kind of right. like a, a regular season wonder, postseason flop. Who does yeah. that sound like? Um, and so, but still, I think their quarterback has a little bit more experience than the Giants. So that's why I picked yeah. Minnesota, though I don't feel really that good about that pick. Uh, that's definitely going to be a pick em game. So that's that was my main reason I went with Minnesota. I, yeah. I believe Minnesota's the home team in this one, right? I think so. They have I to think be. So. Yeah, 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 pick they the won home the dogs. conference. Yep. So that's why I'm taking Minnesota. They got the quarterback, they got the home field. And so let's take them minus the three over the Giants. All right, Chris, I know you got to go. Thank you so much for joining us back this week and have a great next week. And we'll catch you next week after the games. All right. Thanks, Joel. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tri. Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support.